The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. It is February 8th. We are talking about how to survive an Aaron Rodgers darkness trip, your guide. We are here for you. We'll also talk about Marquette falling flat on their face against UConn, but it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. We'll also do some Wisconsin bracketology. Talk about Marquette's chances, even though it might have taken a hit after tonight's game. Although, I don't really think you should get dinged for a road loss to a very good Big East team. But that's just me. Uh, and we'll speak where Wisconsin is, where WM's at. And that'll be today's show. Talk a little bit about the Bucks' impact with LeBron James as well at the very end of the program and I have a little extra Chuck's Corner thing so I, I really did want this podcast to be like 30 minutes like I, I this is our fifth podcast of the week potentially I was really trying hard that when I do four podcasts a week I'm like okay we'll give you we'll go all up right we're gonna go 40 to 50 minutes each day um, when it's just me when it's Mitch it's usually about an hour me and Shannon too about an hour um, I don't know if we'll get a lot of Murph, but when we do get Murph, uh, we'll have Murph for an hour, hour and 30. Like whenever we got the cast of characters, I'm going to go for an hour plus. When it's, if I have to do a fifth show, which kind of had to because of Marquette and assuming that to be a big game and then Marquette falls apart, thankfully, there's so much other stuff going on that we're able to kind of cover our asses here. I wanted those to be shorter shows and be a little bit different and not necessarily on the same same wavelength as these. So a little peel behind the curtain. I don't know if you care or not, but that's kind of what the goal is here. So I'm going to try to still keep it tight, uh, but we'll see if that if I'm going to accomplish that goal. All right, before we get going, just a reminder, follow us on social media. Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, also can be found on Facebook at that same account. I don't know if anyone is on Facebook, though I feel like more and more people may be gearing towards Facebook. I don't know. Is there a Zuckerberg Renaissance? Who knows? Uh, also, uh, make sure that you are listening on Spotify or Apple. Uh, we are there. Subscribe, rate, review, uh, do all those things. It'd be great. Um, also, we're on other places like Overcast or Google or Amazon. I mean, wherever else you find a podcast, we are there. And if we're not, you let me know and your boy will take care of you. Okay, let's go into the darkness and talk about Aaron Rodgers and his darkness retreat. Before we get going on the actual retreat itself, Aaron Rodgers had his daily or weekly visit with Pat McAfee. Uh, Always you have nuggets from the Pat McAfee appearances that Aaron Rodgers makes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers said he had no problem with retiring with J.J. Watt and Tom Brady. He called that ridiculous. I understand what Aaron's saying. Uh, J.J. Watt and Tom Brady, both friends of Aaron Rodgers. But I do think there is something special about wanting to share the stage. I get that you're going to always retire with other greats, right? There are always going to be, I mean, not always, but most years there are first ballot Hall of Famers. So you're always going to share the spotlight in some way or another. But I did think because there was a premier quarterback like Tom Brady, Rodgers would want to hold out one more year. Rodgers calls that ridiculous. Again, that's one of those good controlling the narrative, right? Um, So, and leaving that option of, hey, I still might retire. Rodgers says he hasn't spoken to his agents. uh, So nothing is coming from the quote unquote Rodgers camp. Again, that is controlling the narrative a little bit. Um, I would imagine Rodgers has not spoke to his agents. Have his agents not spoken to Adam Schefter? That would have been the question I asked. Sometimes my... 
annoyance with Pat McAfee. Again, I, I always say this when I talk about my annoyance. I don't want people to think that I'm talking shit or that I think I'm better than Pat McAfee. Clip in the town reference. You think you're better than me? I, I don't. I don't think I'm better than Pat McAfee. But I, I do get frustrated because I think Pat McAfee doesn't do a good enough job of follow-ups. Like, are you sure that your agents haven't talked to Adam Schefter or talking, talked to any of the inside sources, if you will? Uh, Jeremy Fowler, uh, who else is there? Pelsaro, uh, Mike Grafalo, um, I a lot of Italian names, weirdly. Um, but anyways, um, like what's the, what, are, what are the odds that his agents haven't talked to those guys? You know what I mean? So, yeah, cool. Rodgers hasn't spoke to his guys, but have his agents not spoken to the sources? That's the question. And then the biggest one, the biggest reveal is that Aaron Rodgers is doing a darkness retreat where he will be in the dark for four days. And after that, he will likely make a decision on the 2023 season. Here is it. Here it is officially from Aaron Rodgers, so I do not misquote him. Uh, it, it is wild. And Rodgers said this. He will go into a little house for four days and four nights, complete darkness the whole time, just himself. And there's likely a bathroom. Uh, someone sent me a link. There is a full running bathroom in this thing. So it's not like Rogers will be completely, you know, peeing himself and shitting himself. That that will not happen. There will be there will be somewhat amenities. There will be working toilets. There just won't be any sort of windows. He will be isolated completely. Food will be brought out to Aaron Rodgers, but there isn't a lot going on. He will just be in a sanctuary. There might be a sauna or a cold plunge creek for him, mountain spring water, organic organic food. That's the type of stuff that we're looking at. There will be no windows. He will be in the dark uh, just to basically get the experience. This is a rich guy thing, okay? Let's, let's be really clear. This is an absolute rich guy thing. I was at a marketing conference for the day job back in December and there was a keynote speaker, she was from Spotify and she was talking about how, how important silence is and how we need to have more time with silence and silence unlocks creativity. That part is extremely true and I agree with it. I do a bad job with it. I need to do a lot better. You know, having moments of silence where I have no computer, I have no phone, I have nothing. It's just me and my thoughts. I need to be a lot better at that. I, I will say I, what has been nice is with the my night walks with my dog, who I'm still at war with, with our nighttime routine for those who need an update from yesterday. It didn't get, it, she didn't bark the entire podcast and then right after she uh, she barked. So, and we're still, we're still under siege here over at the uh, Tapping the Keg household. But anyways, I go on probably 20 to 30 minute walks with her and I am in silence. It is the dark um, actually, um, because it's at night in the suburbs and we don't have a ton of lights and I have just my reflector vest on. And I usually in the daylight would listen to podcasts. Maybe I'd talk on the phone. Maybe I'd look at, you know, what are the lines for the night, but because it's cold and I need to be bundled up and I also need to be paying attention, right? Because it's dark outside. I just go out there without anything. And it is very therapeutic. I go through a lot of different things in my head. I, I think about the day. I think about what's what's upcoming that night. I think about, you know, maybe podcast topics. I, I think about what's ahead on the weekend, whether it's something to be excited for or something I'm not looking forward to. So all that to say, like silence is important. What the crazy part of the keynote speaker was, was she went off about how 
she did a silent retreat for like eight days and she goes away for like a week and just, she can journal, she can do other things, but she is silent the entire time. And I'm like, that is fucking nuts. So that's why I say this is a rich guy thing. Cause I think, I think rich people do this and I think they feel like this is going to unlock their creativity and basically get them a better sense of self. So we are going to do a guide to the darkness retreat. We're going to talk about it. We're going to think about strategies around this darkness retreat. Um, we're going to get all into it. But I, I do want to talk about this a little bit, like, again, another little bit of a serious talk on this. It is a little bit of a joke. I am kind of fucking around here, like I said, having a little fun. But I do want to be clear. If this is what Rogers needs to get peace, so be it. Everybody wants to talk about mental health. Then when somebody wants to do something different, we shit on it. It's kind of odd, right? We're all making fun of it. We're all getting our jokes. But it, it fits in with how hypocritical our society is. You had Mitchell Schwartz, who's one of the biggest tryhards in the fucking game. Him and his brother, Jeff, who I just... They're just classic linemen. They just try way too hard. Do you notice that a lot of linemen on social media just try way too fucking hard? And Mitchell Schwartz basically had a retort about, oh, I wonder why the Packers don't talk to Rodgers. Speaking about his darkness retreat, Rodgers went out of his way to tweet, which I don't, I think this is the first tweet, full tweet from Aaron He did have some like quote tweets about laughing emojis with hashtag Tuesdays. And then he talked about like an apocalypse with Joe Rogan um, and a Mason Crosby tweet. But this is the, this is his first like, really kind of, I don't even want to go mean tweet, but it, it's just a, it's basically him saying, hey, fuck off. Be curious, not judgmental. We are all on our own path. Doing things like this helps me find a greater sense of peace and love for life. Love and respect to you with a heart emoji. Go fuck yourself, Mitchell Swartz, is basically what Aaron Rodgers said. And I absolutely love it. I very much, like that's one of those are like, oh, is, is, the, is the bad man back? The, is the bad man back? You, you just kind of have to have to ask yourself that question a little bit. But yes, uh, awesome stuff uh, from Aaron Rodgers. And yes, let's go on the guide to the darkness retreat. Now, if I were to join Aaron Rodgers, if I was him and going on this trip, could I do this is the first question. The answer is probably not. As you guys know, I like to talk. Uh, I am a very outgoing person. I also am on my phone a lot. Some would say too much. I I just don't think that I can make it work. It's not the phone, honestly. I think I could survive a couple days without my phone if I really needed to. If that on a condition that if I was briefed on emergencies and I was briefed on anything that would impact the podcast or impact my life, that I would get those updates. I could probably go a couple days without my phone, okay? Not knowing what time it is would drive me crazy. Um, I, I do wonder, will Rogers have a watch on him? Um, if he's getting, like if he has an Apple watch, right? To check breathing things like that, where he at least knows the time. I think then I actually would be okay. Weirdly enough, that as crazy as it sounds, if I don't have to kind of pull out a Native American tradition and use like, oh, well, the sun's kind of here right now, so it must be noon. Um, if I can actually have a watch, I actually think that I could do a little bit better than just if I did not have a watch. Uh, 
The other part of it is just like, I, it, would I see sunlight, right? Is it completely dark? Or if it's sunny outside, will I at least get a little bit of sunlight? Like, is it natural light during the day and then darkness at night? Like, what does that look like? Because if there's at least natural light, I'm a major proponent of natural light. I realize there are no windows, but I have to think some light comes through. There has to be cracks of the light, right? And I am a big fan of natural light. I do all day on why natural light is superior and we need more of it, I think, as just people. I think it's it's good for us to not always have fluorescence on. But that's here and there. It's not no conspiracy there. It's just how I feel about just natural light and living in it. Uh, you guys are like, he probably, he does a lot of drugs. And I don't, um, shockingly. Um, it's just me and my thoughts. Um, I, I think I'd be okay. I don't think I would drive myself crazy. Uh, I think I could do like one full day and then I'd probably be out. Um, I could go, I could maybe go two days without talking, um, two days on my phone, but full dark. If I'm like, if it's fully ass dark, there are no cracks. I see no light. I, I'm just in the dark the entire time. I don't know. I could do a day and I didn't have a watch like that. I know that's so weird, but like that to me is a huge component. Because if I at least know what time it is, I can can kind of get an idea of what we're what we're up against, what we're dealing with. Okay, it's it's 11 a.m. I still have a long way to go. What do I want to do? Do I want to be with my thoughts? Do I want to meditate? Do I want to you know stretch? Do I want to how do how do I want to approach you know this dark room? But I have to think there's at least a little bit of light so you're able to see. Like you are you just gonna sit on a bed the entire time? Like that. that Seems a little wild to me. That's just my own personal opinion. So here would be my game plan. Here's how I would attack this if Aaron's like, you have to do the four days with me. You have to go all four days. I would not sleep at all or I'd be very limited on sleep for a few days leading up to it. This was a game plan that I devised when I was a passenger headed down to Florida um, I'd went the year before with my guy, Shannon, who we, we've had on the podcast, AKA Shaken, um, and I barely slept on our way. And it was, it was awesome. Like probably wouldn't do it today, but we had, we were in like a red Ford Explorer. We were in the back. It was a trunk. So basically we were like camping out in the back seat. We didn't have seatbelts on or anything like that driving through Florida, but I wasn't really able to sleep in the car. For whatever reason, and we, you know, you didn't have cell phones then, you had Game Boys maybe, but you didn't have much. It was just kind of you and your thoughts, a little bit like what we're talking about here, except you're driving. And I do think driving is pretty relaxing, but when you're kind of camping out, you can't really see much. You don't really know what is exactly going on. So next year, I coerce my parents into coming and my parents drive down. My sister brings a friend and I am hell bent on, I'm not going to sleep the night before. Uh, just because I want this to go quicker because it was a little bit rough. I'm not going to lie to you. We did stop, I think, in like Alabama and I slept, you know, on the way there. And then once we got to Florida, it was it was all right. I, I made it, but I wasn't, it wasn't the best experience for me because I just wasn't able to sleep. And then the second time around, I, you know, cheated the system and I slept the entire, I really slept almost the entire way to Florida. And it was great. Like I just, just kept sleeping. And because I was like, four, I think I was like 14 or 15, I was 15 probably the second time around. I was 15 at the time, like you need a lot of sleep when you're that young. So I still think at 
now age 34, like I would be able to try to engineer it. So I only slept anywhere from like two to four hours for the four days, five days before we were doing this and try to just catch up on all that sleep in the next four days. Now, I have no idea if you can bring booze. If there is a, an allow, if you're allowed to have drinks there in some fashion, I think that yeah, absolutely you you catch a little buzz, whether it's early on in the day. So then it's, you know, you have those kind of nap times, kind of do what I did in uh, the resort where when I was in Mexico, I think we mentioned on the podcast, but where that consistent buzz, right? Just kind of have a consistent buzz going. You take a nap, the buzz falls off, you get the buzz back going. Like if I'm able to have, whether it be bourbon, whether it be uh, vodka, whether it be just beer, I think I'd be all in. I actually, beer would act, would be better. Like if I could get like unlimited Miller Lights in the dark room, I think I'd, I think I'd be into it, right? Uh, I'd pr- I would honestly probably drink way more than I, I think I would in those four days. Uh, I also would want my meals to be as heavy, heavy as humanly possible. There's a toilet in there. And I, but I'm trying to tire myself out with heavy meals. Like I'm talking barbecue, mac and cheese. I'm talking uh, like German, like heavy ass German food, big ass schnitzels, uh, spätzel going on, uh, massive Italian, ziti, uh, you know, all this stuff, lasagna, chicken parm, Asian, you know, any sort of Asian meal. Give me Thai. Give me just the takeout Chinese. Uh, like... I am loading, Indian would be another one. Like I am loading the fuck up on all of these heavy meals and breakfast too. Omelets, biscuits and gravy, chicken and waffles. Like I am going balls to the goddamn walls. I have a private toilet in there. Yes, I would stink it up probably with all these heavy meals. But also I, I think that I would just, that's how I would try to again, make myself as tired as possible. So if you add the booze, the heavy meals, the lack of sleep, I'm probably sleeping through a lot of this. I also would try to talk about talk to myself about different topics throughout the day, but I would also try to basically have a structure to it, not just be all over the place, not just be rambling to myself on and on and on. I would try to really think through what I'm talking about each day to myself, what do I want to get out of this? What decisions am I, are these decisions any clearer? So if you're Aaron Rodgers, are are you you know thinking through like what does it look like if I'm a Green Bay Packer? What does it look like if I'm a Las Vegas Raider? What does it look like if I'm a New York Jet? What does it look like if I retire? Like, and you're running through those scenarios every fucking day at the exact same time to build that repet- repetition and also see if anything is getting clearer. And last last one. I would try a lot of hallucinogens if it were allowed. So I don't know if booze is allowed or doing like acid or mushrooms or anything. I am not a drug expert. I have zero idea what would be the best drugs for a dark, what, what would be the best hallucinogens for a dark room? Would it just be wheat? Would it be mushrooms? Would it be LSD? I don't know. Um, would, would it have not be recommended because you would have just a crazy trip and drive yourself crazy? I have no idea. Um, I should have brought in an expert. I, I definitely could have DM'd Kaz on that. That would have been a great Kaz DM that I could have sent. And I, I just didn't. We needed to check in with our resident there. And I think he would have given us a good answer. But yes, those are the five things that I would do to survive a darkness, a Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat. 
Uh, and I, I think I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate the idea. Let me know if I missed anything. Hit me up, Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram. We'll certainly get a graphic going for this uh, because it, it's too good not to. But we'll see where Aaron Rodgers all nets out with this. And again, like it's hopefully Aaron Rodgers, you know, comes to you know more of a conclusion and he finds some peace and whatever he is you know, looking for with this darkness retreat. Moving on to the Marquette Golden Eagles, the reason why we were going to do this podcast in the first place. Uh, Marquette Golden Eagles got their asses kicked. Uh, it was not great. Uh, they, I think Marquette, or I think UConn would have beat anybody in basketball tonight. Like I, I do not look at this game as a indentation on what Marquette was. Like if Marquette was fraudulent, I saw a shitty Badger tweet out there from somebody and I didn't get a lot of shit from people where I feel like everybody just respected the fact that UConn was the best team on the bat on the basketball court tonight. I think pro or college, like UConn was so good tonight and they just kind of were the UConn that I was scared of in December. Like I had tweets where I was like, I fear that UConn's really good. Like I thought UConn was a final four team. That was that UConn I saw tonight was the UConn I was talking about in December. That UConn, for some God knows reason, disappeared. Now, the broadcast was saying they weren't healthy. Uh, the broadcast was saying it was a lot of issues with playing on the road. Whatever it may be, that UConn team looked fantastic and did not look like the fifth or fourth best team in the Big East. They looked like one of the top teams in the Big East. And they dominated Marquette in this game really from start to finish. Marquette has had games where they've started out slow and it really, it hasn't cost them. At a different points during the year, I, I was kind of telling you guys, like I, the slow starts are, are fine when you win, but at some point it's going to smack you in the mouth. And that is exactly what happened in this game. Marquette was down 10 to four or 11 to four might've been. It was very early on in the game, right? And they were down seven. And then they just let things creep and it rolled downhill after that. The wheels completely fell off and Marquette was down 32 to 12 before you know it. Now, does that mean Shaka Smart should have called timeout and gathered the troops and figured it out? Should he put new guys in? I don't really know, but I, I do think it's important for Marquette to not let that become a thing, especially on the road. They cannot fuck around early on. And I think Marquette likes the field teams out, right? They don't want to make the first move. They don't want to make the first punch. You know, Brian Anderson, I think it was Brian Anderson, it might have been Sam Van Gundy, one of the two in the Lakers Thunder uh, broadcast today was talking about how LeBron wants the game to kind of come to him. And that's a little bit what Marquette does. Like Marquette lets the game sort of come to them. They see what they have. And then usually in the second half, they completely flip the switch. Now, the thing about flipping the switch in the second half is you at least need to maintain yourself in that first half. They did no such thing. And that's the part that, I guess would worry me a little bit. Like, is this just an outlier? Or is this, are we not going to see this when Creighton, uh, they go to Creighton in a couple weeks, which is a very tough place to play. And Creighton looks like a team completely revived with Ryan Kalbrenner in there. And Ryan Kalbrenner is going to provide a huge challenge. We'll mention it late, a little bit later here. But they need to start a little quicker. They need to figure out how to get to their offense. They need to figure out how to get quick buckets and at least establish you know, I, I, they don't need to be like out in front by 10 to two, but they at least need to be, you know, competitive. It needs to be 12-8, it needs to be 10-6. And, and they're just kind of hanging around. So if they if the home team does go on a run, 
It doesn't get out of control. It doesn't spiral. And tonight spiraled. And that's on it's on the team for not coming out ready to roll. And it's it maybe the, the moment got a little bit too bright. The lights got a little bit too bright. The top 10. Who knows? For the longest time this season, Marquette was the underdog. They were no longer the underdog. They were, even though Vegas had them as an underdog, they were the hunted in this game. No question about it. As the top 10 team, a sellout crowd in the XL Arena, which is another house of horrors for the Golden Eagles because that was the same place where they lost to John Morant, which I did not know until Ben Steele uh, tweeted that out, which I tweeted not nice. It, it was, it, I was a little... You ever tweet something to like a guy who doesn't know you and it's meant it was more of like a friend thing? Like I can I don't really consider Ben Steele a friend, but like a not nice in all caps is something I would tweet to my guy either the Mach Bros or my guy coach or somebody like that. Not necessarily a big J for the Journal Sentinel, but that's here nor there. Also other things from this game. Uh, Marquette just needs Cam Jones, Kolek, Omax to get involved early on. Again. I come back to the early on because this game was lost in the first quarter, essentially, of this game. Like that, that is where this game was lost. Marquette lost that first quarter, the first 10 minutes of the game. It was 26 to 10. It was 26 to 10 in favor of the Yukon Huskies. That is not going to get it done. Uh, you know, Oso Iguodara also should be mentioned in that, that group. He only shot the ball five times total. Omax Prosper only had one attempt from beyond the arc. Now he did have six free throws, so there was that, but he was also brutal from the free throw line, three of six uh, from the strike. Cam Jones himself, he had five threes, but he only had one shot inside the basket. One of the things that Cam Jones is really good at is just these circus shots and also getting to the free throw line. He did not get to the free throw line tonight. Uh, Just a overall clusterfuck of a game. Stevie Mitchell also shot the ball 11 times like that. That's not gonna. That's not gonna get it done. Uh, Kolek had to do a lot, you know, in the paint, and was kind of the only one that seemed to be pushing, pushing it a little bit more. Besides Ben Gold, who finished with 12 points and actually looked really competent and like he belonged. And it, the development of Ben Gold is at least something to hang your hat on from this this awful loss. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was really ugly for the Golden Eagles, and they just need their stars to show up. They cannot. They cannot do this again. This this version of Marquette, I'm okay one time, but if you do this again against Creighton or you do this again against a team worse than one of those teams, I'm not going to be pleased. And then concerns are going to start to build in. The rebounding was really, really bad. Marquette needs, needs to protect the glass as much as they can. I realize that the Golden Eagles struggle when it comes to protecting the glass. Like that is something that is a issue for them. They give up a lot a lot of offensive rebounds. They're 312th in the nation per Ken Palm, 31.9. Connecticut themselves are one of the best teams at grabbing offensive rebounds. They're fourth in the country. This is a major mismatch, and Connecticut took advantage of that. They did a very good job at crashing the glass. They studied the tape from the last game. They had 13 offensive rebounds on 20 of the missed shots. Again, that's... That's significant, right? That stands out to you. Um, and guess who's... And Creighton's not good at, at grabbing offensive rebounds. That's crazy. I would have expected Creighton to be good at grabbing offensive rebounds. They're not. Uh, so this is should be an area of focus. Marquette needs to attack the glass. And they just got blitzkrieged and they weren't ready for it. And so again, feeding into the point of they just were shell-shocked from the start. It really, it really feels like that. 
and you just got to clean it up for your next road game, which is against Georgetown. It's a palate cleanser. Georgetown is playing better. I should point that out. Like Georgetown might not be winning, but they're covering spreads. Like they lost close to St. John's. Then they lost to Creighton by 10. They lost to Connecticut by six. They play Providence on the road, uh, which is not easy tonight. Uh, that will that will be a rough one. But then they welcome Marquette at home. And I do think these teams who are really bad, these home games are going to kind of be seen as pseudo Super Bowl games for them, as they know, like okay, maybe there maybe there's a chance we can get one of these. Uh, Marquette just needs to stay the course, you know, even though they're on the road. Uh, 11 a.m. start too, which is an early one for the Golden Eagles. They haven't had. I don't think they've had an 11 a.m. start all year. So we'll see if Marquette is able to kind of exploit the weaknesses that they were against Georgetown in the second half when they put an absolute hurting on the Hoyas, uh, winning that one 95 to 73. We'll talk more about that probably on Friday as well. But yes, that that is one Marquette definitely needs needs to have. No fucking around. Do not, do not lose, lose that one because that would be tragic. All in all, a disappointing night, but it's not going to be one that I, I think defines the season. I, I said it on the review, and I'll say it here. It's not going to be the start of a, a February swoon. They lose to Georgetown. We can invite February swoon in the room, kind of like the Grim Reaper in the Muppets Christmas Carol. We can invite the Grim Reaper in. Like, okay, we're going to do this shit again. If they lose, if they lose George Hyatt, we have to have we have to have the conversation. Because then they have Xavier, and then they have Creighton. And that doesn't doesn't make anything easier. So, but it, George Hyatt would be a massive loss, and it would really hurt the brackets, which we're going to talk about right now. Uh, we do this every week. Uh, it's Wisconsin bracketology. Uh, we will at some point transition out of this and go into looking at the mock drafts. I think it's we're getting closer and closer. I want the season to actually end before we start talking about the draft. Uh, we'll kick some draft stuff off next week uh, when we are officially in the NFL offseason. So just a little bit on that. I'll find find time when that makes sense uh, to, for us to talk about the draft. A lot of people do mock draft Mondays. Maybe I will get myself on the PFF simulator. I don't usually do a ton on there. But uh, since Merv has talked it up and so many others have, maybe it's my time to put together my own mock drafts and we can run through you know, who I think should be part of the Green Bay Packers. But we'll have to see. All right, but back to bracketology. So really, Marquette is the headliner here. Uh, it's staying with the Golden Eagles. Uh, Marquette is a three seed, according to Joel Lenardi, as well as Jerry Palm. Let's talk about what Lenardi has from a path perspective for the Golden Eagles. They would play Akron, and then they play Miami or Boise or Oklahoma State. Uh, it would be a playing game between Boise and Oklahoma State, and then Miami. It would all be in Columbus, Ohio. That is a very favorable draw. That's a six-hour drive for uh, for anyone if they're in the city of Milwaukee. It's an easy drive, by the way. I've done it. That's not too bad. Uh, those also seem like good matchups for the Golden Eagles, right? Uh, either you're facing off against an ACC team in the second round or you're facing against a low-tier Big 12 team or a Mountain West team. Also, play methodical basketball. Miami plays up-tempo. Uh, so you can argue is methodical versus not methodical the way to go. Akron also plays extremely slow. So there are some style contrasts, right? You'll have teams that would be wanting to muck it up. But I, I do think Marquette's figured those teams out. Like the Badgers, right? you could use that example. But I don't, I don't really look at that as a true sort of muck it up sort of situation. I, I really... I really don't see it that way, 
But yeah, I think if you could get the ACC in the second round, I think that would be extremely fortunate. Um, but yeah, Miami, Miami Marquette would be a lot of fun if that was if that was what it ended up being uh, in the second round in Columbus. If Marquette were to advance, they would be looking at Vegas for either Texas or Creighton in the in the Sweet 16. Now, I do want to point out, Creighton's right now a seven. I think if Creighton continues the way they're on, they'll be a six, maybe even a five. So I, I don't expect Creighton to be at that seven line, but that would be a very tough second round game for the Texas Longhorns. Um, but yes, I, uh, I, I, that's favorable for Marquette. Like that, that looks like potential Elite Eight stuff. Vegas, I think, would be a great, great one for the again for the Golden Eagle contingent. So that's that's a good good bracket. I like that bracket. I also kind of like the bracket Jerry Palm put together. Jerry Palm moved them to a three seed. Last week he was at a four. Uh, they'd be playing Princeton, and then they'd be either playing Duke, Oklahoma State again, or West Virginia. Palm is a weird thing where he puts the two big 12 teams against each other in the first four. I'm like, they're never going to do that, Jerry. I have zero idea. The other two first four teams are Arkansas and Clemson. I would be a little scared of Arkansas. Arkansas had a great win tonight against Kentucky, so maybe they're off that first four and Kentucky has replaced them. I would be scared of any team that has a ton of talent in that first four position. Like if it's North Carolina, Kentucky, like if that's what Marquette might stare down in the second second round, that that is no bueno. I I do not want that. So they'd either be playing Duke or one of those teams, and then Arizona in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, he has as a two seed. Arizona Marquette would be first to eighty wins that game. Uh, but it's a decent draw. I, here's the thing: what I have, I always like Arizona. I liked him with Sean Miller. I like him with Tommy Lloyd. I will always talk myself because they're fun as fuck to watch, okay? Like, they're just a good time. You never put on an Arizona basketball game and said you're having a bad time, okay? That said, Pac-12 is really bad. And the ACC is really bad. And if you're able to say, okay, we get past Princeton, and then you get the ACC Duke team who's really struggled on the road this year, and then you get a team like Arizona who's very talented, very, very good, but they've played in a pretty weak conference. So is that is that gettable, right? They would have a huge home field or a home court advantage, home field, a home court advantage in Las Vegas. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, and then Texas was the one seed. I, I have to think, I wonder if that was an old bracket for Palm. Uh, he's usually pretty good. No. Oh yeah, he updated that on Sunday. So we have not seen a new bracket from Jerry Palm, uh, which is a bummer uh, because I don't think Texas would be there. I think Arizona... And Texas would flip. You'd probably have Texas at that two line. Uh, but I do think getting a team like Texas or Kansas State, for that matter, would benefit Marquette as a three seed. Uh, we'll see if Marquette stays at that three seed. I think Houston or Tennessee are nightmares. I know Tennessee, Rick Barnes has more trouble in March than you know a drunk Irishman. But still, uh, it's, it's not great. Uh, and Tennessee is really, really solid. And I think they would pose a lot of problems for the Golden Eagles. So I would prefer to keep Tennessee as Tennessee and Houston as far away from Marquette as possible. As for the other teams in Wisconsin, right now the Badgers are first four out, according to Palm. They are next four out, according to Lenardi. Badgers have a very big one tonight against Penn State. If the Badgers get another road, Big Ten road win um, and add that to their their resume with the win against Ohio State last week, I think that, that that would be good. That would be building a little bit of reputation, be a little bit of, you know, kind of what they need to do. Um, 
But and then they have a road game against Nebraska, and that's one you can't lose. Um, you know, Penn State lost to Nebraska uh, at, on the road, and that kind of sealed. I would I wouldn't say it sealed the fate of Penn State, but it, it's looking less and less likely. Like the Nittany Lions are going to be a tournament team. They're going to really have to get on a run. I think the other part of it for Wisconsin fans that I just want to remind them. They have five of the last seven at home against some big teams too. They have Purdue in there. And they might have a Michigan State thrown in thrown into that mix. Like there's going to be this opportunity for Wisconsin to kind of go all the way back and and maybe play their way in the tournament. Now, there could be the devil's advocate would say, well, Charlie, they have not really played that well at home of late. They lose to Northwestern at home. They lose to, to Illinois at home. Uh, they kind of like squeaked out a game against Penn State at home. Those are the last three home games. Like, are, are you sure that they're going to be able to do this in their home gym? We're going to have to find out uh, because there, this is an ample opportunity. Actually, I've been in this spoke here. Oh, no, it's five. It's six of the last eight. So, yeah, there's a there's a good chance here for our five of the last seven. It's a good chance for the Badgers to take care of business. UWM had a brutal loss to uh, Green Bay on Monday. Should have really seen that coming. I've been on as cold of a gamble tree as humanly possible. And I was on Milwaukee, I think minus 16. But I really should have looked at that and been like, that's Green Bay Super Bowl. Uh, and I think I mentioned Freddie Owens uh, yesterday on the on yesterday's show, so we don't need to talk more about that. But they play Detroit on Thursday. Then they play Oakland on the road on Saturday. Uh, they are one back of Youngstown State, who is the bracket team for the Horizon League right now sitting as a 15 seed uh, against Houston. And I, they might be against Houston too for Lenardi. I had Palm pulled up on this one. Let me see. Oh, Texas. So outside shot, Horizon League team faces Marquette in the Sweet 16. Just kidding. Uh, don't think that would happen. All right. Oh, really quickly on, uh, on LeBron breaking the record. I don't know how much more is needed to be said, right? Um, I, you'll hear it from all the national people. Um, I I obviously appreciate LeBron's greatness. I was never really a big LeBron fan. Um, I don't know if I regret that, uh, just thinking about it. And I, I kind of did this with Jordan too, uh, where I was I was on the other side. I was a Reggie Miller guy. I, I liked Reggie. I liked Shaq a lot. I didn't really like Jordan. I liked Kobe before Kobe got popular and then I fell off. I've told some Kobe stories when he died, um, probably one of my more emotional podcasts uh, about just how Kobe helped me figure out life. Uh, I would, honestly, if I, I think I mentioned it two weeks ago, three weeks ago. If you're going through something right now with layoffs and things like that, uh, let me know. Uh, reach out, DM me. Happy to try to find, dig up that Kobe pod because I don't know. Uh, it, it was one of those things that really helped my life. But anyways, let's talk about Kobe. We're talking about LeBron and LeBron. You know, I. I might not have been his biggest fan, but I still can appreciate all the things he did and appreciate the longevity of his career and what and what he's all about. And and just how he's been nothing short of an out, upstanding human, uh, a role model. I think role model gets overused in, in sports, but he's what every kid wanted to be in my generation. Um, and, you know, this millennial generation, we all want to be LeBron. Uh, we think there's a little bit of, you see LeBron as an equal. He was only a couple years older than me. I had the Sports Illustrated, uh, the 17-year-old uh, 
cover on my wall. It was very, and I, I almost wish now in retrospect, I would have just kept it. Uh, Cause I think it, I don't know if it would be worth a lot of money, but it'd definitely be something, you know, maybe worth framing at this point with how just the, this success of James. And it's too bad he couldn't do it against Bucks. I, I did have like, I wanted to do this whole thing and I'll tell, I will tell Mitch to fantasy tomorrow. Um, I will save it. I said, I said, I had like this whole thing drummed up for Mitch and I, I still think he would, he would have loved it. That's why it's just fantasy, man. I, it never, never got off the ground, uh, which is too bad. All right. I said to you guys, I wanted a 30 minute podcast and I did 40. So I apologize, <laughs> I guess. I apologize to myself. Oh man, trying to do a little bit less and then, you know, your boy just ends up powering through and doing a, you know, 40, 45 minute podcast. So here, here you are. All right. That does it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with Mitch. We're going to talk Packers. We're going to talk NBA. So I'm really quick on that. And I'll mention it on tomorrow's show too, but like we, I think we would have loved to do a, a deadline reaction pod. Um, with knowing the Bucks are involved in so many things, their hands are in, I'm sure, a ton of cookie jars at the moment. Uh, if the Bucks want to bless us with a Crowder trade on Wednesday, we would be much appreciated by it. That would really, that would really mean a lot. And maybe it will happen with the Bucks having a game on Thursday. Who knows? Uh, but that would that would just be the cherry on top. That we know, I would know that things are pointing in the right direction for the Tabby the Keg franchise if that does happen, because we we would desperately need it. But We'll, uh, we'll just have to see. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. And uh, if it does, that's great. If not, um, you'll have me reacting uh, Friday morning. Because uh, as mentioned, Thursday is going to be a late night, maybe. And I don't think you need me slurring on the podcast. We'll just, we'll just talk to you in the morning. All right, last, last, last thing. And I'm out of here, I promise. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw in the news that a police officer in Milwaukee died uh, with an attempted robbery. Uh, they got they got the guy. Uh, he is a 19 year old. Uh, he is now in custody. Um, pretty pretty rough situation. Um, and as expected, the Brewers and the Bucks both put out statements, uh, basically offering their condolences. And the some of the responses on Twitter, just all over the place, were absolutely terrible. I I don't care how you feel about police officers. All right. This man had a family. This man had friends. This man had relatives. Fuck right off. Really. Just, I understand. If you don't like police, I respect your opinion. But that is not the point. I also don't respect people who are using it as an opportunity to be like, are the books going to take a night off? Are they, gonna, are they going to break from games? Fuck you too. Just, can we just be goddamn humans? Can we just be human? Right? You can say, you can like the tweet, you can retweet the tweet, but if, if, you, if it doesn't align with something or you feel like you have something smart to say, just say it to your buddies, throw it in a group chat. Do that. Don't fucking bring it into the public light. You're embarrassing yourself and you're embarrassing our city. All right, sorry I had to get serious there, but just something that was on my mind and needed to be said. Have a good Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow with Mitch. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.